The information you want, the information you need on your Tri-Cities Morning News. Good Tuesday, October 26th to you. This is the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear on the Tri-Cities Morning News Weekdays, Monday through Friday on News Radio 610 KONA. Let's start with our usual assortment of local news here across the Pacific Northwest. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vaughn. A brazen home invasion robbery early yesterday morning in Kennewick. It happened around 2.30 off West Kennewick Avenue between Perry and Shepard. Uh, the victim opened the door and then the two subjects, both of them armed with pistols, uh, forced entry into the location. Lieutenant Jason Keel says one of the suspects opened fire as they were running away. A short time later, both were stopped by a Benton County Sheriff's deputy. Both of the occupants of the vehicle in the traffic stop were identified, and then they were released based upon the traffic violation that they were stopped for. Keel says the deputy wasn't aware of what had just happened. A 17-year-old boy has turned himself in. Police are still looking for an 18-year-old boy. Thankfully, nobody was hurt yesterday. A Walla Walla woman sentenced to five years in federal prison after pleading guilty to receipt of child pornography. A U.S. district judge sentenced 32-year-old Monica Linker to five years in federal custody, followed by 10 years of court supervision following release. According to court documents, a special agent went online in an undercover role to locate people who were trading child porn. The agent downloaded more than 80 videos of child pornography from Linker's residence, which led to search warrants and recovery of a significant amount of evidence. This was her fourth offense. Something new for the Tri-Cities. Jersey Mike's is a national franchise that's based out of uh, Pleasant Point, New Jersey. Uh, we're over uh, 2,000 locations nationwide. Owner Tim Kleinfelter says Jersey Mike's will bring a taste of the Jersey Shore to our region with cheese, steaks, subs, and other food you might find in that region. It's right off Columbia Center Boulevard in Kennewick, right by the mall Starbucks. Grand opening is set for tomorrow. Revive after thought dead. Police in Toppenish say a woman shot outside her own home is recovering. It happened back on October 3rd when the victim, identified as Iris Viramontes, was rushed to Yakima Valley Memorial Hospital and pronounced deceased there, but staff able to revive her and she was airlifted to Harborview in Seattle. A GoFundMe page set up to help with some of the medical costs. You can find more on our website, 610kona.com. The city of Portland facing a lawsuit for not enforcing laws regarding illegally parked RVs on city streets. The suit also names the mayor and city commissioners and city uh, and cities as recent incidents where the city paid to have two RVs that were occupied by homeless people towed from one street to another because of a construction project. The lawsuit claims that by not enforcing ordinances, the city is giving implied consent for unlawful action and is putting community members at risk. Over half a dozen people facing charges following a police crackdown on street racing over the weekend. The Portland Police Bureau says officers arrested a total of eight people, including four on Saturday and four on Sunday. Police also towed a total of seven cars, made 29 traffic stops, and issued 19 citations. 
A new ordinance passed back in August makes street racing in the city now a misdemeanor offense. A 14-year-old Spokane Valley High School student could face charges after allegedly bringing a loaded gun to school. The Spokane County Sheriff's Office says the uh, staff at University High School called police Monday after receiving information that the boy had a gun in his backpack. The school was placed on silent lockdown while a small team of deputies entered the teen's classroom. It's not clear why the t- uh, what the teen's intentions for the gun were, but he could face several felony charges. And an 11-year-old girl badly hurt at a school bus stop. This happened last Friday just before 2 p.m. when the girl was hit after the school bus had shut off its red lights and retracted its stop sign off Hood Avenue and Spangler Street in Richland. Police say the bus had just let the kids off and had begun moving forward on the eastbound side of Spangler. Traffic on the westbound direction then began to move as well. The victim had tried to cross the street behind the bus and was hit. She was later flown to a trauma center. Greg Neft, News Radio 610 KONA. Coming up, we'll talk with NBC News Radio correspondent Michael Bauer here on the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of the Tri Cities Morning News on News Radio 610 KONA. Podcast here on News Radio 610 KONA. Our conversation continues this morning with NBC News correspondent Michael Bauer talking about some pretty crazy revelations that could be coming for social media and information conglomerate Facebook. Michael, as we learn more and more about uh, Facebook and uh, the interactions they have with their users, I think it's safe to say a lot of Facebook users are looking at the tech company and thinking their relationship is. Well, complicated to say the least. I would say complicated is a good way to describe it. And you're hearing now about some of the background of what's going on with Facebook as well, as we're kind of we're very clear on what the whistleblower brought to the table as far as uh, studies, uh, behind the scenes documents, things that normal people wouldn't have access to at Facebook. She brought them forward, talked about how Facebook was well aware of all of these studies going on and things that were in those studies, how it affected the users, you and I, with regularity as it pertains to Facebook. And now we're seeing articles written starting as of Friday. The consortium of 17 U.S. news organizations began publishing a series of stories collectively called the Facebook Papers. And that's based upon all of this internal company documents that were included in disclosures to the SEC, Congress from the whistleblower and her legal counsel. It's things like highlighting how Facebook knew for years about how their platform was a major source of political vitriol and violent content and then did little to try to stop it. In fact, what they did do was they promoted it more. They found out through studies, and this is all a part of what the Facebook papers are indicating, that they got more eyeballs on their pages, on their platform, whether it's through the app on the phone or through Facebook.com. When people were looking at fake stories or negative stories, positive stories, nobody was sticking around for it. So the other ones, the fake ones and the negative ones, they're sticking around for They're reading. Their job is to put eyeballs on Facebook to make money. So they continue to pump those stories out. They continue to promote those stories. If you went away from Facebook for a little bit, you'd get a message, a push notification to tell you to come back to read one of those fake stories or negative stories, because that's the kind of way they wanted to bring you back to the table. That's just one of the elements we're hearing in the Facebook papers here. And you're hearing a number of other things that come into play that are equally, if not more disturbing, that just seem to scratch the surface. I mean, The Verge is one of these uh, groups that is uh, part of the 17 news organizations in in the consortium. And what they say is, look, we're going to tell you a little bit about what's going on, but this is not nearly a comprehensive list. This is just 
what we've gotten thus far. Expect much, much more to come out. Talking about how the vaccine, the anti-vax sentiment had run amok on Facebook, and that a large portion of that was simply because there wasn't a filter in place to be able to stop some of the vaccine hesitancy comments in, on Facebook. In fact, there was a suggestion back in March of 2021 that we were that Facebook was doing a horrible job. They said our ability to detect vaccine hesitant comments is bad in English and basically non-existent everywhere else, that we need policy guidelines specifically aimed at vaccine hesitancy in comments. And what did Facebook do with that? We don't know. Not anything. I mean, they held on to the file for it, but they did nothing as far as implementing anything to try to slow down the vaccine hesitancy posts on Facebook. And this one I found to be the most disturbing so far. And again, we're just scratching the surface is that Apple said at one point in time they were going to remove Facebook and Instagram from the iOS Apple store. They weren't going to allow people to download to their iPhones or any Apple products facebook and or instagram why because apple had been tipped off by a bbc news arabic report that found in the middle east domestic workers were being sold via instagram that's Mm. human trafficking and that the sellers were encouraging the buyers to mistreat the workers by doing things like confiscating their passports and again this is something facebook and instagram knew about did nothing until they had to scramble because the iOS app store said they weren't going to be allowing downloads of their products. Mike, there is so much uh, to unpack here as, as folks will be doing as they read these papers in the near future here. But if we just look at media as a whole, let's look at part one of what you were talking about there. Media as a whole, it is a common critique in, in today's day and age on news media in general that sometimes things can be rather clickbaity in an effort to drive engagement and views and get that ad revenue associated with it. As part of what we're seeing just in terms of um, the Facebook being a news source, how much of this has to do with uh, th- this company foraying from the social com- me- media component where it's this need for social interaction, you know, we can stay in touch with family members, same thing, uh, share our lives on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you can name any number of social media yep. platforms, but also this trend now in those social media platforms becoming increasingly sources for news and information for people, whereas maybe they hadn't been in the past. Yeah, I think they, they realize what this is being used for. They realize that people are going there for news and that they that's seemingly, you know, going back to the early part of what we were talking about. They're very aware that people don't want positive news, that people are in order to keep eyeballs on your platform are looking for negative news or fake stories. And so that's what they're pushing. It's not that they're, you know, it's not that they're filtering out negative news or that they're filtering out bad news. It's not anything like that or that they're telling you good or bad. They're they're pumping forward fake stories because it's getting eyeballs because of the clickbait element to this here and because that's what people want to read. So it 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 it's pushing and it's it's favoring those stories rather than real news stories that are out there. You see what I'm saying? So that element certainly does come into play. And I would certainly make the suggestion to anybody who thinks Facebook is a good news source and for any social media element, the same thing, really take everything that you're reading with a grain of salt, do enough research on it all that you're reading all possible outlets and stories about it to make sure it's verified because it's not that, you know, it's very clear cut here that Facebook is telling you fake stuff. They're selling you fake news and they're pumping it through to you as if you weren't even searching it out. They're telling you that this is something that you should like. This is a group you should follow. These are people that you should read the stories on, even though they're not legitimate news sources. So that certainly does become a portion of it. But again, just think of this. 
it all comes back to one very important thing. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook making money by keeping eyeballs on the product. They, there have been, there's a Facebook integrity team. I know, I found it shocking too. But there's a Facebook integrity team that has tons of ideas on how to make Facebook less harmful. But those ideas were lar- largely, when you're reading these stories, usually overruled. And sometimes by the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg himself. Now here we can go back to Mark Zuckerberg and remember him on Capitol Hill talking, ah, oh, shucks, golly gee, freedom of speech, guys. We can't take that away from Facebook. Yet he is actively making decisions in the background to make Facebook more harmful by not listening to what these suggestions are. And anything that he can to make the money and keep eyeballs on Facebook, seemingly that's what he's doing here. So at the end of the day, whether it's a fake or a real news story, whether it's positive or negative, they're feeding you what they want you to know to keep your eyeballs on Facebook because that's how they make money. And Michael, doesn't this really play to the bigger question of the truthfulness of uh Facebook and of social media. I mean, I hearken back to the uh, pandemic and uh, Facebook, you know, voluntarily came out and said, hey, this post has information about COVID-19. Our fact checkers are going to look into it. And I don't necessarily want to get into the political weeds about that. But now don't we have to go through what Facebook has been doing for years to make sure that facts are presented and really question if any of that information was honest and sincere? Absolutely. I think, look, I think as an individual, we have to do that in general anyway. If you, if you were just susceptible to whatever Facebook telling you was the news and that was it for you, that was your source, you're going to be sorely hurting when it comes to the truth here because they are clearly pushing out fake news stories. So, yes, every, all, every element of that is something that we're going to have to look into. If, indeed, while Facebook is like, look, we've got these filters on now, we're able to kind of slow things down on the rhetoric for anti-vaccine or how bad the COVID vaccine is, how long did they have that information for? Why did they only implement it when they did? Those are the questions. If they had information about human trafficking that went back years and didn't do anything about it until the app store said they weren't going to allow them to download the products, people to download the products, how, how can we trust anything that they're saying right now as far as news goes or feeding you anything that is considered to be real when they have been holding on to information and not making changes that would benefit the people using it. Michael, final question, then we'll let you go. When the whistleblower came out and testified uh, before Congress, Zuckerberg and company kind of poo-pooed her testimony and said, this is not big of an, as big of an issue as she's making it out to be. We've got everything under control. So what's Facebook saying about this now? I mean, are they out there saying, everybody's a liar and we're telling the truth? What's their position? Starting to. Yeah, I mean, again, these articles were just starting to get written on Friday. Facebook knew about it. They were expecting, as I had heard about it from their communications director, about 30 of these articles to come out. I think we may have doubled that when you're looking at what actually came out by Monday. And then you had Mark Zuckerberg yesterday kicking off Facebook's quarterly earnings call by talking about this, saying, you know, good faith criticism helps us get better. But my view is that we're seeing a coordinated effort to selectively use leaked documents to paint a false picture of our company. Again, I will throw back the human trafficking element of this. This is not a study that may or may not have said how long you've had this information about whether or not fake stories are good. Human trafficking you held off on. And with that all, Facebook still reported $29 billion in revenue for the three months that ended in September, and that's up 35% from the same period a year earlier. So he's saying, let's not focus on the past. Let's focus on the future for what this company and whatever name changes we come up with this week, whatever those will be. NBC's Michael Bauer, thank you for joining us this morning on the Tri-Cities Morning News.
You're listening to the Kona News Podcast brought to you by News Radio 610 KONA. We'll take a look at some of our top national and international headlines around the world this morning. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Bogg, and lawmakers continue to discuss their differences surrounding the so-called human infrastructure bill, which would fund things like paid family leave, free community college, efforts to combat climate change, and expand health care. The initial prize, $3.5 trillion, did not have the support of moderate Democrats like Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. So now lawmakers are talking about a scaled-back framework and how to pay for it. Manchin, while speaking to the Economic Club of Washington earlier today, says he's hoping the bipartisan infrastructure bill that funds roads, rails, broadband, and waterways will pass before the president leaves for an overseas trip this week. I would like to hope it passes Wednesday evening. The president needs to take something with it. Once again, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. The Justice Department this morning announcing 150 arrests in a 10-month international investigation targeting drug trafficking over the dark web, including 65 arrests in the United States. The department announced uh, the operation seized $31 million, some of it in virtual currencies even. Uh, U.S. Uh, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco says that the busts were a result of cooperation between more than 12 international law enforcement agencies across three continents. The recovery of more than 500 pounds of illegal drugs, drugs which contained enough fentanyl for more than 4 million lethal doses. Again, that's the U.S. Deputy Attorney General. President Biden participated in a virtual summit with uh, leaders from the uh, White House earlier this morning. The president reiterated his desire to work with leaders to uh, deal with some of the issues in the region, including pandemic and fair trade. I want you to know I am truly looking forward to working with you to advance not only our many shared interests, but our shared values and shared vision for a region where every country can compete and succeed on a level playing field. Again, that was President Biden earlier this morning. Israel's move to label the number of Palestinian human rights groups in the West Bank terror organizations, drawing some criticism around the globe and here in the United States, even the new legal designation will effectively force the groups to shut down under threat of arrests and office raids. Critics accusing Israel of trying to silence Palestinian dissent and hide any violations of international law in the disputed territory. The State Department says Israel did not inform the U.S. of its decision before announcing it, but Israeli officials continue to dispute that. Israel has long argued Palestinian civil society groups provide cover and fund for terror groups. Top Israeli and U.S. officials set to discuss the issue today after the U.S. called for clarification of why Israel has made the move. ABC's Jordana Miller reports from Jerusalem. A special envoy on behalf of the Shin Bet, that's Israel's internal security agency, arriving in Washington to discuss Jerusalem's controversial decision to outlaw six Palestinian human rights groups. It has swiftly become the first diplomatic crisis with the Biden administration. Sources tell ABC News the top security official will lay out intelligence linking the rights groups to a known terrorist organization, the PFLP, or Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. More than 20 Israeli activist groups calling the ban a, quote, draconian measure that criminalizes critical human rights work. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. A mudslide eased to Walla Walla shut down Highway 12 Monday. WSP started receiving phone calls of mud over the roadway 
on SR-12 near milepost 345. This is near uh, Dixie and Walla Walla. Washington State uh, Patrol Trooper Chris Thorson says they had to close the roadway for about a half an hour while the mudslide was cleared. You can see pictures of that slide by heading to our Facebook page. Just search News Radio 610 KLNA. Thousands of Washingtonians remain without power following Sunday's powerful rain and windstorms. PowerOutage.us says over 5,600 customers were still in the dark statewide as of 3.30 this morning. Power company representatives say more outages could be possible today before the weather system truly rolls on out of the region. More than 100,000 customers were without electricity during the height of the outages across the Puget Sound region over the weekend. Officials have confirmed a magnitude 4.7 earthquake that struck off the Oregon coast early Sunday morning. The U.S. Geological Survey says the quake was recorded at a depth of 10 kilometers around 4 o'clock Sunday morning, about 110 miles west of Coos Bay. No damage was reported. And Oregon's 2021 fire season officially over. The Department of Forestry declared an end to it all on all Oregon lands over the weekend. Fire districts in the western regions declared the fire season over there a little earlier this month, so they were waiting primarily on some of those drier eastern regions. But again, fire season now officially over in the state. Let's take a look at your News Radio 610 KONA COVID watch. The Washington State Department of Health confirming 26 new deaths from COVID over the weekend. Officials published the numbers on Monday along with uh, 1,700 new cases and roughly 340 new hospitalization. The state's cumulative death total since the pandemic started around 8,400. Meanwhile, in Oregon, the Oregon Health Authority reporting almost 2,300 new cases of COVID-19 over the weekend and 12 deaths. That raises Oregon's death toll from the pandemic to 4,295. There are currently 571 COVID-related hospitalizations in the state. Playing a role, UW Medicine says its study of coronavirus vaccine mixing and matching was a factor in the CDC's decision to allow those getting boosters the ability to get any one of the three approved shots, no matter with which one you started. The CDC group looked at data from the NIH-sponsored uh, mix and match study, which was a study that uh, had 10 sites recruiting around the United States. The University of Washington School of Medicine was one of those sites. University of Washington Medicine, Dr. Christine Johnson there says uh, they're still studying it, but right now it appears to be safe to mix and match. Folks across the Tri-Cities looking forward to Halloween festivities this Sunday. The Benton Franklin Health District has some COVID safety tips if you're taking part in the festivities. This Halloween compared to last year is a little bit different in that um, people are able um, to be out interacting in their social circles and and with others. Director Amy Person says if you have little ones, make sure they're paying attention when crossing the street also and are staying in familiar, well-lit areas. There's been another installment of the Kona News podcast, an abridged version of what you hear weekday mornings on the Tri-Cities Morning News. Make sure you listen in regularly for all this, plus the extra content that you don't hear in the podcast, such as BT Trivia Additional, news stories, and interviews. Derek Maselli saying thanks for listening.